Order. Questions to the Pay Minister. Mr Speaker, before listing my engagements, I am sure that the whole House will join with all of us in expressing our condolences to the family and friends of those who were killed on operations in Afghanistan in the last week. There were Sergeant Benjamin Ross of the 3rd Regiment, the Royal Military Police, Corporal Sean Binney of the 3rd Battalion, the Royal Regiment of Scotland, the Black Watch, Rifleman Adrian Sheldon of the 2nd Battalion, the Rifles, Corporal Kumar Pun of the 1st Battalion, the Royal Gurkha Rifles, the soldier from 1st Battalion, the Welsh Guards, who died yesterday of wounds sustained in Afghanistan at the weekend. I've been fortunate enough to wish, witness at first hand the bravery and the professionalism and the dedication of our soldiers from every battalion fighting for us in Afghanistan. And we are determined to ensure that we can be a force for good in helping the people of Afghanistan and protecting the security of people in Britain and the wider world. And these men and all of those who have lost their lives in conflict deserve our profound gratitude and the service will never be forgotten. Mr. Speaker, this morning I had meetings with ministerial colleagues and others. In addition to my duties in the House, I shall have further such meetings later today. Mr. Speaker, can I associate myself, and I'm sure the whole House, with the condolences paid by my honourable friend to the brave soldiers who've lost their lives in <coughs> Afghanistan? But, Mr. Speaker, the whole country is deeply concerned about MPs' expenses, and public uh, anger is surely heightened by people's own financial and economic circumstances. Lang O'Rourke, a major construction firm in my constituency, has just announced that it is taking on several hundred extra apprentices this year, but unemployment nationally remains extremely worrying. What can my right honourable friend do to invest in skills and jobs to ensure that when we do come out of recession, we are well placed to do it? Mr Speaker, I am sure my right honourable friend would agree, unemployment is never a price worth paying. Yeah. Mr Speaker, in answer to the very first point he made, our responsibility is to create a system of MPs' allowances that is transparent and will be seen by the country as wholly fair. And we must prove ourselves worthy of the public's trust. We must apologise for mistakes that have been made. We must rectify all the errors that have happened. And we must reconstruct the system in a way that the public will see it as building confidence in the political process. Steps that were taken last night by the Members' Allowance Committee are the first and important steps in dealing with this matter for the whole of the House together. My honourable friend is absolutely right. Any unemployment is a tragedy in any area of the country, and it is our duty to do everything we can to help those people who are unemployed. Uh, where people are being taken on, there is help available. Where people are on short time, we are providing help through the working tax credits and through training allowances. And where people have become unemployed, we have announced today the details of a scheme where for all 18 to 24-year-olds who are unemployed and out of work, there will be an offer after a year of training uh, and of, or of work. And I'm grateful that social entrepreneurs as well as other charitable organisations are involved already in the offer of work. We aim to provide 150,000 jobs as a result of the initiative that has been taken today. David Cameron. Thank you, Mr Speaker. I join the Prime Minister in paying tribute to the officer from the Welsh Guards who died of his wounds at Selly Oak Hospital and to the four servicemen who were killed last Thursday, Corporal Kumar Poon, the Royal Gurkha Rifles, Corporal Sean Binney from the Black Watch, Rifleman Adrian Shelton, 2nd Battalion the Rifles, and Sergeant Ben Ross of the Royal Military Police. Such a tragic lo loss of life in one single day should remind us of all the bravery that all of our servicemen and women show every day. And the, they have all made sacrifices on behalf of our country, and we must never forget them. 
Let me ask about the issue of MPs' expenses. The first word the Prime Minister said about them today was the need for transparency. Does he agree with me that one thing we could do pretty much right now is to publish our expenses online the moment we actually put in a claim? Shouldn't this happen online in real time? Does the Prime Minister agree with me that MPs from all parties should do this now? Yes, Mr Speaker. I understand that the Members' uh, Alliance uh, Committee is, is looking at this uh, issue. I think it is important that there is a transparent system that when a claim is uh, reported to the, the fees office, uh, that the fees office can then itself uh, put that up on the internet, a responsibility of the system of the House, and I hope that that will be introduced as soon as possible. I hope every member of the, the House uh, looking at this issue will agree that if trust in politics uh, is dissipates or disappears, uh, then the whole political system cannot work properly. And I think we all have a duty now to make sure that the agreements that we come to and the independent reviews that are made are such that can restore the confidence in the system. With regard to the proposal from the members' uh, estimates, the members' allowance is committed last night, I think it is now very important, as they have suggested, uh, that the receipts and the payments uh, of members over the last four years uh, be scrutinised by a body that includes people who are completely independent of the political system. And by doing that for all MPs over a period of uh, four years, we can show the public we have taken every action that is necessary uh, to deal with any anomalies, to repair them, and at the same time to build the confidence that is necessary in the political system for the future. I believe that this is a matter that all parties will want uh, to uh, be engaged in, and it's important that we do it now. Come on. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Of course, I agree with the Prime Minister that we should all support the Kelly Commission and the work that it's doing. And yes, we should all support the idea of establishing a committee to look back over the last four years. But isn't there a problem with this? And doesn't it show how we need to get on with things now? If we just ask a committee whether everyone has obeyed the rules, it will take a long time and then I think find, surprise, surprise, that everyone has obeyed the rules. Because the issue is not so much whether the rules were obeyed, the issue is about the rules themselves. How much needs to be paid back is not really a legal issue, it's actually a moral and an ethical issue, and it requires some political leadership to sort it out. And doesn't the Prime Minister understand that? Yes, I do, and the leadership is about the leadership in the whole political system, that we have a duty to look across the political system, all parties, do it together, as that committee was trying to do yesterday, and reach an agreement. Now, what that committee was trying to do yesterday, and its proposals are extreme and radical, they will ask outsiders to look at receipts and expenses and payments over the last four years, and then they will report as to whether they were regular or irregular. That's dealing with the past. For the present, an interim system has been proposed by the committee last night, and I believe that that can command all party support. But of course, the long-term changes will need to require the confidence of the public, and that's why I've always been of the view, as I said before, that we need an outside body, the Committee on Standards in Public Life, to report on what should be done. Their proposals have then got to be taken into account by this House. But if we are to make new changes in the system, we need to have an outside body, a body with some confidence uh, that it is acting completely impartially, and it can report on the changes we can make, and I believe it should report as soon as possible. I do believe it's in the interest of everybody that we go beyond ordinary party politics in this now, and we make absolutely sure that what we do affects the whole House and what we do affects all members of the House and the way they behave.
Come on. I'm grateful for the Prime Minister's answer, but I still think there's going to be a problem with just saying, let's go back and look at the claims people made under the rules in which... Well, members are shouting, but actually, that's again part of the problem in this House, let's be frank about it. And to another... But, but let's see if this committee can do it. But if we just look at the rules and whether people were complying with the rules, that doesn't go to the heart of the problem. It doesn't go to the heart of the anger people feel. That is why members of Parliament decided to write out cheques and send them back on both sides of the House, and I think that's right. Let me turn to another issue, which is reducing the cost of politics more generally. If we're frank, many of us know that the next issue we have to tackle is the communications allowance introduced only two years ago. It is worth £10,000 to every MP. Let's be honest, taxpayers are effectively paying out thousands of pounds so we can all tell our constituents what a wonderful job we're all doing. We've all done it. We all know the facts. Isn't this a gigantic waste of money? Particularly right... Will the Prime Minister now get on? Will the Prime Minister now get on with something I've suggested many times? Let's save some money, scrap the communications allowance now. Uh, Mr Speaker, the, the first way that we are going to save money is by the changes that were voted on in the House two weeks ago, changes that I put to the House and others put to the House, about how we can save money on the London allowance, how we can reduce the cost of the additional uh, cost allowance, and how we can get uh, the receipts that are fully uh, uh, made even below £25 submitted. That is the first stage of reducing the costs, and the costs of the system will fall. I have to say something about his point about rules as well. It is true in some cases that rules have not been properly obeyed, and action has got to be taken, and I think everybody will agree with that. It is also true that there is a looseness sometimes in the interpretation of the rules, or the, loose, the rules themselves are too loose. That is what the Committee of Standards in Public Life have got to look at. But I, I hesitate to say that one or two members of this House getting together can write the, the new rules of everything. We need an independent scrutiny to assure the public that people have confidence in, in the system. As for the communications allowances, all allowances have always got to be looked at. This was again a vote of the House, and it was a vote including all members of the House. Let, let me just ask the Prime Minister in very short order, how would he in this current recession where businesses are facing such difficult times, people are having to make such reductions in their own expenditure, how does he justify £10,000 communication allowance? And Mr Speaker, in this, in this period, all members, all, members of the government, all members of the government have frozen their salaries. Mr. Mr. Speaker, I, I have myself refused the pension that is able to be given to any serving Prime Minister and refused to take it. And I have myself refused the London uh, allowance that is available to me. I think all members of the House have got to look at what they can do in their own situations. As far as the communications allowance is concerned, it is open to the House to look at all these things. But I have to say to him that that was a vote of the House that took place. It is always open to members to propose to change it. Come on. The, the Prime Minister says it's open to the House. That's so often his answer. What we want is some leadership to cut, <laughs> to cut some of these costs. Let, let, me, let me try. I mean, the Prime Minister seems to have such a tin ear to these issues. In an age where we're going to have to ask the public sector to do more for less, Shouldn't we start with ourselves? We have, with the House of Commons, with 646... With... Let the Leader of the Opposition speak. Uh, leader of the Opposition. 
Mr Speaker. Just making the point... Order. I've asked an honourable members to be quiet. I don't expect more noise. Going to the opposition. With the House of Commons, with 646 MPs, we have one of the largest lower houses in the Western world, larger than Spain, France, Germany and Italy. In fact, if you take the Lords and Commons together, we have more political representatives than any country other than China. Shouldn't we reduce the cost of politics by asking the next Boundary Commission to reduce the size of the House of Commons? Mr Speaker, Speaker, many of the countries that he's talking about uh, are federal systems which not only have central uh, parliaments but they have federal parliaments as well. And I would not like, I, I don't know if he's proposing we make an instant judgment now to, to reduce the number of MPs by 50, 100 or 150. These are matters that have got to go before an independent commission and people have got to look at the boundaries. And I, 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 do, I, do, say, I do say to him on all these issues, I am trying to build a political consensus on change. I am trying to build a consensus across all... Uh, uh, order, order. It goes for the Prime Minister. He must be heard as well. He must be heard. The Prime Minister. We are trying to build a political consensus on change. It is unfortunate today that we cannot highlight those issues on which we agree that need to be acted immediately. That is the way forward for this House to restore trust in its affairs. And we've got to deal immediately with the issues that are ahead of us. We've got to take the extreme action that I propose, that I hope you will be able to support. And at the same time, we've got to reform the expenses system. But I think today is a time for all of us to come together to make the changes that are necessary. To say to the Prime Minister, Spain and France aren't federal systems. They've got much smaller parliaments than ours. He says again he wants to have an independent commission. I sometimes wonder whether... Order. Let the Leader of the Opposition speak. Order. Mr Howe. Mr Howe. Please. Order. The Leader of the Opposition must be able to speak. Thank you, Mr Speaker. I mean, I wonder whether he needs an independent commission to work out whether to have tea or coffee in the morning. (laughs) Whether it is putting... Whether it is putting expenses online, whether it is cutting the cost of politics by abolishing the communications allowance, whether it is actually making this place smaller and more efficient, isn't it time to wake up and see what is going on in the country? Isn't it time for us to see ourselves as the rest of the country sees us? Isn't it time to stop the talking, stop the endless committees and start showing some real leadership to deliver some real change? How can we bring about the change this country needs if we cannot change ourselves? Mr Mr. Speaker, it is precisely because we have to change that these radical proposals are now being put forward. I am sorry that he has chosen today to divide on issues instead of to concentrate on the issues on which we agree. I think everybody will agree that this is a problem of the political system that has got to be dealt by all of us. If we are to restore confidence in politics, it means restoring confidence in all of politics and it means all members of Parliament being part of that process of restoring confidence. Leadership is about the whole of the political system responding to the changes that are needing to be made, and leadership is me saying to all the political parties that they've got to act now and immediately to change the system. And I hope on reflection he'll agree that what's most important for politics today is to move forward with the changes that we now can agree on and are urgently necessary, of course discuss other issues uh, throughout a period of time, but discuss them in a way that is non-partisan so we can get to proper agreements.
Speaker, many uh, organisations support the Equality Bill, Age Concern, Carers UK, all the disability organisations. Is my honourable friend aware that in opposing the bill on Monday, the opposition could cite one organisation on their side, the campaign against political correctness? Yeah. Will my right honourable friend assure the House that he will continue to support the views of Age Concern, Carers UK and the disability organisations and reject the views of those who oppose equality. Yeah. I, I think it, this is another issue where it would be good to have political consensus. A discrimination on grounds of age or discrimination on grounds of being a carer is simply not an acceptable practice in modern society. And I hope uh, that despite uh, the debates that have taken place in the last few days, we can reach an agreement on that and I think we'd be speaking for the whole country. Nick Clegg. Yeah. Mr. Speaker, Mr. Speaker, I'd like to add my own uh, expressions of sympathy and condolence to the brave soldiers who lost their lives uh, serving us and the people of Afghanistan in Helmand a Province. Sergeant Ben Ross, Corporal Sean Binney, Rifleman Adrian Sheldon, the soldier who died in a hospital in, in Birmingham yesterday after being shot in Helmand at the weekend, and Corporal Kumar Poon, who it's worth remembering now adds his name to the over 45,000 Gurkha soldiers who have died serving this country yeah, yeah, yeah. over the years. Mr Speaker, I'd like to return to the issue of uh, MPs' expenses. I suspect many people are a little baffled by all the different proposed solutions because none of them seem to deal with the biggest loophole of all, and that is MPs making hundreds and thousands of pounds buying and selling properties funded by the taxpayer. Surely the only long-term solution is to get us, to get all MPs, out of the property game altogether. I know this is an issue on which he feels strongly. It's exactly the kind of issue that the Kelly Committee will be looking at. Let him put his proposals to the Kelly Committee, let others put their proposals, and let us come back with a solution to this. But I do say to him, any solution now that is put forward for the longer term is going to have to command more than the confidence of this House, is going to have to command the confidence of the general public. Clegg, I'm grateful to the, to the Prime Minister for his reply, but I, I still think he's making it a little bit too complicated. There's a really simple principle at stake here. We are here to serve our constituents, not make a fast buck on the property market. And that's why I've always thought, I've always thought we should do what they do in Scotland, which is simply end, stop, any taxpayer-funded mortgages altogether. Now, until the new rules are in place, we on these benches, we have committed ourselves to handing back to the taxpayer every pound of any gain made when second homes are sold, which have been funded by the taxpayer. Could he, could he, could he commit? Order. Let the honourable, the right honourable gentleman speak. Let him speak. The right honourable gentleman. Whether could he at least make that commitment? I hope that uh, people will also uh, speak up for decent, hard-working members of Parliament who are going about their duty in their ordinary way and who are not trying to make many, any money out of being a member of Parliament, but simply to serve the public. And I think it's very important that we get some context uh, to this debate. Where there are abuses, they've got to be sorted out. Where there are disagreements about policy for the future, I agree that recommendations should be made to the committee by MPs and by parties, but as I've said before, I don't believe that we're going to command the confidence of the public unless people outside this House believe that what we're doing is also right and it cannot just be an issue for members to make long-term decisions upon. As for his proposal about uh, houses, 
Uh, I know that uh, capital gains tax has got to be paid on these uh, second homes. That is the first priority. The other matters can be dealt with in representations to the committee. Eddie Taylor. Mr Speaker, um, my right honourable friend will want to know that the people of Teesside were very pleased to receive his instant support at the news that Cora Steelworks could be closing. The request made to the Prime Minister is that he supports the campaign that is being led by our right honourable friend, the member for Redcar, and other Teesside members uh, to support and enable Chorus to remain a significant part of our employment on Teesside. Patient to have to my honourable friend for raising an issue that I think the whole House should be concerned about. Uh, this was a contract uh, entered uh, into by Chorus uh, with four other uh, steel and uh, other manufacturing operators. It was a contract that was supposed to last till 2015. If that contract is broken, there is going to be a high level of compensation to have to be paid. We are trying urgently to talk to the companies concerned across four different uh, countries uh, to make the case uh, that it is important to keep the Teesside plant open, to make the case that it is counterproductive to close it in the present circumstances, and to see whether, as was previously the case, uh, a buyer as part of that consortium was available uh, to take over the plant. Now, these are the issues that we're dealing with. In the meantime, the Minister for the North East and the Job Centre Plus uh, are making the services available so that people are in no doubt that if there are to be redundancies, we are there to help people get new jobs. Roger Williams. Thank you, Mr Speaker. A recent report by the National Housing Federation suggests that over 100,000 young people will leave the countryside in the next three years, not because they want to, but because of lack of affordable housing. If they stayed, these would be the leaders of their community in the future and the basis of the local economy. This government has never really understood rural problems, but will the Prime Minister agree to meet a delegation of people representing young people in the countryside to set out the problems and share some of the solutions? Mr Speaker, I, I, I don't want to, him to go away with the feeling that we have done nothing on this issue. We are determined to help people both get housing and to help jobs in the rural areas. Indeed, a member of his own party was asked to report us, uh, to us on details of policies that could be implemented to help people in this uh, position. We will do what we can to help people get jobs. Uh, we are discussing with housing contractors how we can move forward housing. Some of the decisions actually relate to planning decisions that are made by local authorities, where we will need support of local authorities in these areas. But we are determined to do what we can by the rural population of this country. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Every year in this country, more than 100,000 children go missing. And thankfully, most of them are found safe, but some of them aren't. Over the next few days, there's going to be events all around the country to mark International Missing Children Day. Will the Prime Minister meet with me and with members from the leading children's charities to find out what's being done now to protect those children, but also what we need to do further? Yeah. Right about the numbers of children that, that go missing. Last week, we talked about the issue of children lost who were then part of child trafficking in the area of Heathrow <laughs> around uh, London. And that child trafficking is completely unacceptable. And I've asked the uh, Home Secretary and the Children's Secretary to report on that specific instance immediately. Uh, in addition, we're working with local authorities to ensure the best care for vulnerable children where they're identified by border agencies or at ports. Uh, and there will become a new legal duty as a result of the Immigration and Citizenship Bill currently before Parliament. 
Uh, the Home Affairs Select Committee is going to publish a report on Thursday on some of these matters, and I'll be very happy to, happy to meet her and the delegation after that. Angela Browning. Well, what, is the, um, what is the Prime Minister's response to the further report issued last week by the Parliamentary Ombudsman as a result of her concern about the Government's failure to action her <coughs> recommendations on behalf of equitable life pensioners? Yeah. As you know, we are looking very carefully at that uh, report. We have set up, we've set up, we, we've set up, we've set up an examination uh, by a judge to look at the very matters that are in the report, and we will report back as soon as he finishes his examination. Dennis Skinner. This, one, this is a big one. <laughs> Amidst all the gloom this week, two good news stories. One, the minimum wage, 10 years old, still going strong. Second, economic pundits now can see the sunny uplands out of the slump. Even the OECD, George Soros, however, says recovery is on the way. He knows all about money and slumps because he was the man who took £2 billion from underneath the noses of two Tory grandees, Lord Lamont and the leader of the opposition. Can I, can I, can I, can I, can I welcome back for his uh, first question since his recent illness, uh, the member for Bolsover. Things got really bad when he was away. We're very pleased that he's come down. Uh, he's absolutely right about the importance of the minimum. He's absolutely right about the importance of the minimum wage. Uh, we supported it in 1997. We continue to support it. It has been raised this week. We have included in it tips for the first time that should not be charged against the minimum wage. We are determined to keep the minimum wage, and I hope all members will consider voting against the bill on Friday that intends to undermine the minimum wage and kill it off in this country. Mr Brake. Can the Prime Minister set out what he is able to do in the next uh, critical 48 hours in relation to Sri Lanka to stop a further massacre taking place there? Mr Speaker, the House of Commons will debate this um, later this week. I'm calling for three urgent actions, and I'm making that clear in conversations with the President of Sri Lanka. Both the LTTE and the Sri Lankan government must exercise the utmost restraint, and they must avoid civilian casualties. All civilians must be allowed, as I've asked them already to do, to leave the conflict zones, and the UN must have uh, full access to civilians caught up in the conflict. We will play our part through our aid programme. The Foreign Secretary has been in New York to urge the UN for further action. Our Special Envoy Des Brown has been in the region meeting partners and building pressures for a full ceasefire. What is happening in Sri Lanka is showing a devastating humanitarian impact on large numbers of people. We, are we will have continuing efforts to avoid civilian casualties and we will take whatever action we can in persuading the Sri Lankan government that there must be both restraint and an end to the violence. Ms Blakeman. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Uh, Eriwash Credit Union in the last 18 months has saved local people £170,000 in high interest rates that would have gone to doorstep lenders. This reduces the misery experienced by people trapped in this kind of debt, but it also releases extra money to the local economy. 
He will know it is the DWP Growth Fund that backs credit uh, unions. And will he assure me that this fund will remain the highest government priority? Yes. In the budget, we added an extra £18.5 million to help the credit funds. More than 100 credit unions have already benefited from that fund. More than 150,000 people are benefiting. And I know the credit union in her constituency is a shining example of what is possible. Uh, 700 people are obtaining affordable credit, uh, and it is making new investment to help people with housing, something that is desperately needed in our area. I congratulate her credit union on doing a fantastic job. We want to support credit unions in every part of the country, both with more support uh, and with more legislative backing in future. Robert Key. Please can the Prime Minister tell us if the Government is now in a position to support the long-awaited improvements to the heritage site at Stonehenge and the roads and the visitor centre, which is so long anticipated? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I am pleased to announce that in partnership with the Stonehenge Programme Board, we've been able to identify a suitable uh, and affordable solution for a visitor centre. <laughs> this is one of the world's key heritage uh, sites, and he is privileged to have it in his constituency. Today's announcement marks the first step towards making the long-held aspirations that he and others have had for Stonehenge a reality. The site will be further enhanced by closing the A344, which at present takes traffic very close to the stones, and funding, I can say, of up to £25 million will be provided through a range of public and private uh, sources. Uh, we are determined, we are determined uh, to help the development of one of the great sites in the world. Dr Tony Wright. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. At various, at various times in our history, we've had the long parliament, uh, we've had the rump parliament, we've had the good parliament, and we've had the adult parliament. Does my right honourable friend agree that if we're not careful, we shall finish up with the moat parliament or the manure parliament? And don't we have to say this, which is that we should, ex we should accept, we should say now that we shall accept whatever the Kelly Committee says, and I'd ask him to say that on behalf of the government and then to invite the other party leaders say, to say it on behalf of their party too. Uh, I, I've said, as he knows, that I, I don't think the House, given what has happened in the last uh, year or two, can proceed on the basis of just members of the House making a decision without consulting outside uh, support and outside bodies. Uh, I hope that we will receive a good report from the Kelly Committee, and I hope we'll be able to support it, and I hope that will be true of all parties. Order.